Actors, we've all got issues, so let's talk about them. I'm Juaniala, and welcome to Actors with Issues. Each week, we bring you interviews with actors from across TV, film, and Broadway, taking many deep dives into their careers and getting into the successes, the struggles, and of course, the issues that they face as actors. That's enough about us. Let's dive into the episode. You know today's guest from Genius Picasso, Netflix's Glow, and The Patient, which is now streaming on FX on Hulu. Please welcome to the stage, Alex Rich. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, buddy. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so before we dive into the issues, given the name of our show, uh, we always start with a quick game. So pick a number okay. between one and three. Two. Two. Two is called For the First Time. So it's a game of life and career firsts. So okay. what was the first movie you saw in theaters? Oh, God. Um... I don't remember what the first movie I saw in theaters was, but I do remember being very young and watching Poltergeist. Kind of, my sister oh. like dragged me into my parents' room and put on Poltergeist, oh and God. I've never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your first ever acting role? Uh, well, it depends. I on what you define, but the one mm. that I usually credit is True Detective because it was my first like studio Got project, mm. and yep, played a hooker. It's great. <laughs> was that your first like ever experience acting like did you do anything before that i had done little bits and pieces in like Shorts you know kind of, kind of thing yeah and i had done some school <clears throat> new schools <throat> but that was my first like okay i'm a professional right got it <laughs> uh what was the first non-acting job you ever had Ugh. uh gosh i've had so many the i mean i i kind of always picked up bits and pieces but mm. i would probably say tutoring like once i got into yeah. high school and was helping other people learn um and then i carried that through college and when i got to la you know as supplementary income so that's always been kind of a a, a big mm. supplement for me um and i started that young <clears throat> and what was like your your area of uh, expertise well, it got to the place where I would kind of just take on a family and oh, teach okay. all the kids whatever they needed to know. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, you know, everything from it depends on what age what age group the kids are, but anything from like middle school through college stuff. That was like when I was in LA, you know. Mm. And uh where was your first flight to? My first flight. So my dad was a pilot. Oh really? Um, yeah. yeah, so he was working mainly out of Ohio, but we were in Florida. And so he was, he's also a Navy SEAL. So he was trained in all these things. So I would fly with him sometimes. So awesome. I assume it was to like Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is the first person you call when you book a job? My parents. Uh, what was your first paid acting gig? Was that True Detective? My first paid short, acting gig. It was like 50 bucks a day. Like. <laughs> I, I, when I was still doing music, I got a job in this web show that mm -hmm. Shiri Appleby was doing where I played bar guy. And I think that that was actually my first paid acting gig or, you know, what I, I did do some extra work when I first started, you yeah. know, those are all happening like really quickly near each other. Yeah. So. And what would you say is the first thing that you learned out of school on a set? The first thing I learned well, set etiquette is a huge. Mm -hmm. deal, no one you teaches know? you that. It's so bad. no one can. No one can. Yeah. You know, I I <laughs> probably shouldn't, but I okay. I remember when I was on True Detective, just kind of going up to Vince, who was the loveliest man 
Vince mm-hmm. Vaughn. I was in the second season. And I think I just, I don't even remember what I said, but I just remember being like, okay, that was probably too forward of me. <laughs> but I was just so excited. Yeah. <laughs> but he was great. He was like taking pictures with everybody who worked on set, which, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see a lot of people doing because they're really focusing on their work. But he was absolutely lovely. That's awesome to hear. I love hearing that about, you know, these actors who are like pretty high up there and, and you know, the series leads. It's like, oh, they're actually like nice, normal people. Like I remember well, when I was working on Blind Spot, like I worked on that show as an extra before I ever got a principal role on it. So then like when I went to this press event, just all these weird facets of my of everything connecting back to that one show. Um, but I went to like a screening of like the the season three premiere and um, I took a friend of mine with me who was also an extra on the show and they had said like they mentioned like yeah you know like you know the the PAs and whatnot always tell like not to talk to you guys and whatnot like don't approach them don't bother them and they're like no fuck that man come talk to us we're bored they're like no one's talking to us so (laughs) they're just like we're normal people like you guys and it's like you know Sullivan Stapleton who's like a TV star and and, and movie star from Australia and Amy Alexander who's in the MCU like you know He's like, people were just like, no, please come talk to us. We're so bored. No one ever talks I mean, to us. They just tell us where to stand. But- yeah, 100%. I, I totally I totally vibe with that. I think each set kind of takes on its own culture. And it's so mm-hmm. lovely when you have, and I've been very lucky, like everything I've done from Dating Rules of the Future Self, which was that that like web TV show, mm-hmm. to The Patient, I really haven't had bad experiences on mm-hmm. set, which is... <laughs> I think very rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um so how early on did you know you wanted to get entertainment? Was it something you discovered like as a kid or did that like passion come later on and what were all those early years like for you? I mean, I I had always been interested in music and mm-hmm. I moved to LA for music but had a voice issue that caused me to pivot into acting pretty soon after I got there. Um and so all of these things were happening at the same time, but I thought I was going to be a doctor until I got to college and then I didn't even take a class. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to do this. So I didn't really dive in professionally until like partway through college when I was like, okay, I think I want to work in this industry. Like everyone has like these different little like, not milestone, maybe that's not the right word, but you know, just like little like uh, timeline moments where they just have like these new discoveries about acting. So like, what would you say was like the first maybe like myth about entertainment or acting that was like debunked for you? I think the amount, everybody talks very, very aggressively about the the craft of acting. And <laughs> I, I mean, see, yeah, there, I, there is an eye roll there, but I didn't really understand what they meant until I started doing it. Uh. I think that there definitely is, I think that it is a, a term that's overused that's my eye roll (laughs) yeah i think you know it's a lot of a lot of people use it to justify i think irresponsible or unacceptable behavior you know like i'm doing it for the craft and no you're just being a dick but um i do think that there's such an art to acting that i wouldn't have been able to respect or understand if i hadn't really been able to dive in head first Mm. and that was, I think, the biggest debunking was the external perception of what creates an actor versus the daily st- struggles that that actually go into 
you know, this pursuit and career. And I say it's akin to startup culture. You know, like we really have to be building a a, a business mm-hmm. out of an art, which is and then when you conflate, you know, the actor and and the like the actor and the and the public persona, it becomes really complicated. So it's not just the craft of what shows up on screen. It's also everything that goes into the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, these are all things that like are not talked about. Like, like things like set etiquette, as you mentioned before, is like no one talks to you about it. And on set terminology, you can go to the best acting schools in the world. They're not going to tell you what a turnaround means. They're not going right. to tell you what a 10-1 means. You know, like they're just like all these or, little things that no one talks about. And, you know, and that especially the day-to-day, they talk about how to pick a great monologue how to like really kill it how to have a great like uh book for your musical theater auditions um you know how to break down a scene and how to do accents and all of this stuff but then like there is that day-to-day thing in that whole business mindset i feel like there should be like a whole series of business classes that are in acting programs and finance too like Actors are horrible at managing their money, but you know. That's, that was one of the things that I wanted to. Yeah, I I am so I try to help. I I I care so much about that because mm-hmm. I've made mistakes, and so many of my friends make mistakes, and we get these windfalls with no kind of, you know, like every time you book a job, it's it's a lot of money all at once when we're so used to being broke, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, yeah. and then you know it's gone, and you don't know when you're working again, and so I think the money management part is so important and so under discussed plus the business of acting changes you know as quickly as the media so mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into being adaptable in that space and i think people look down on you if you talk about it because they think that you're discounting your ability to be a talent and care about the art form of acting but that is just uh you know dumb yeah <laughs> and restrictive and i think irresponsible as and at like to put on people who are breaking in yeah it's yeah it is incredibly frustrating when people will like take their one experience and use that as like this is the template it's the baseline for all actors it's like that was your one experience like that's not how it's going to be or is for everyone absolutely yeah. and everyone is learning as they go. I think very, very few people, and even if, let's say, even they're the the child of a famous talent, mm. the just generational difference of breaking in 20 years ago versus breaking in now is extraordinary. So everyone, even like this new generation of of like young Hollywood that might be related to old, to like a generation before, they are still doing everything for the first time because it's all yeah. so different. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's it's a learning. So if anybody says that they have the solution, then don't trust them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think that uh, sort of like speaking on that about like things like nepotism, like, yes, it exists. Yes, people can get their foot in the door. Uh, they can cut ahead in line 
because of nepotism, but like they still have to be just as good a fit for the role as anyone else. Yeah, I I am not like mad at the concept. I think right. people get chosen for jobs for any number of reasons. Somebody might get chosen because they are they know the creator of the project intimately mm -hmm. from their parents. Somebody might be might get chosen because they're more or less beautiful than the creator's concept of the part. Like mm -hmm. you you don't know. Yeah. So to put ourselves in competition with people who might have had the perception of a leg up over you isn't helpful. You know, you're going to have to hustle just as hard. Yeah, it's definitely like far too many people like focus on the things that are just completely beyond their control, you know, and and we don't get cast for any number of reasons. You could look the part, but did your voice match what they heard in their head? You know, like there's so many things like there's too many blondes on the show. They don't look enough like the person who we already cast as the dad. They don't look related, like just any and number of things. People, one of the things that I hear the most is that everybody wishes it was, oh, sorry, exclusively, exclusively like a, a meritocracy. And it is, it's just meritocracy doesn't necessarily mean talent. Yeah, you know, it can mean it's it is a it's a bunch of things that come together to create somebody they think would be right. You could also, you know, you could be the perfect person for the part, but the other people they cast look too similar or something. You know, you just never know, and yeah. it's not worth. You just have to keep going. Yeah, as annoying as it is to 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 both hear that and say it, it's true. Like we do just have to keep like chugging along. You know, they always say like, "Don't give up, follow your dreams." It's cheesy as hell and it's frustrating to hear, but it's true. Like you have yeah. to just keep going because otherwise like you're not going to, you're always, if you don't keep going, you're always going to wonder what if, I and agree. that's like the worst thing ever. Well, and nobody can defeat you except for yourself. And the only way to do that is to stop. So mm -hmm. I also think though, it takes an infinite amount of strength. Once you do start to decide that you're not happy or it's not right for you. And I think, if you are not, you know, really, really like aggressively into the art of it, y you should find something that has more stability. It's difficult mm. and it's very mentally taxing. <laughs> and there's so many stories of, of actors who, you know, started acting at a very young age and just couldn't find success. And it wasn't until they like then because you know you have to fit what the industry is looking for at that time so like in the late 90s and early 2000s people our ages were in high demand because of shows like friends and all of these sitcoms that were like buddy comedies and all of that uh and then for a little bit it was like workplace comedy so people like in their 30s who look like they work in a smaller setting or who could be an everyday cop or whatever they weren't looking for like the glamorous sort of look especially shows that like film in la but don't take place in la yeah, that, like, you know, take place anywhere else. It's like, well, they're still trying to convince people that they're not in Los Angeles. So they're going to cast like real looking people or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, you never know. Yeah, it's constantly shifting. And, well, and we, we also have we also have a unique we're in a unique time. Not really, but creating your own content is infinitely more accessible now mm -hmm. and can be done, you know, just with the phone, which almost every buddy has access to if they don't have themselves. So you can get yourself the career you want if you put in the work mm. um 
which is really intimidating because it, it floods the pool with so many people, but it also allows for those who are savvy to kind of figure out what lane they, they fit in mm. and see what it, see what it brings them. I want to talk about a few of your, the projects you've done over the years. So we first met, uh, 2018, I think yeah. around there. Um, when you had done uh, Genius Picasso, we met at the Critics Choice Documentary Awards, which I just went to again the other day. Um, and it was at a smaller venue back then. It's it's grown a lot um, <laughs> since then. Yeah, was that the inaugural year? Year? Maybe it might have been the first or the second. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like this. This past one was like the seventh one, but I don't know if they always did them like in person, like this with the or, or It was just here's your certificate, you know. <laughs> um. But yeah, so back then you were doing Genius and it was like your first um, major role. You were playing a young version of, of Pablo Picasso and um, working not necessarily directly, but sort of alongside Antonio Banderas was playing the adult uh, yeah, Picasso. Yeah, I mean, but... we had to work together, just not on camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but what, what, what do you remember from that experience? Were you like starstruck at first? Did he seem like the most like normal dude? What lessons were learned along that whole process? Because I know you were like in Europe okay. for months at a time and yeah yeah we would need a whole a whole separate like podcast series to go over <laughs> all the things that i that i learned through that process but the first time that i really got to speak with antonio was i i went met with a dialect coach joy ellison who was employed by the show to kind of help because there were so many different characters in Pablo's life from so many different countries with so many different accents and the actors were all from different countries so they had to overcome certain accents and it was a whole lot she had a lot on her plate but Joy had worked with Antonio throughout the years so he called in to our to my first session and I was like oh shit this is <laughs> this is like real like I'm gonna be in Paris in a week or two weeks with yeah. this guy like doing this show and yeah it was my first lead in a project and it was a it was a big moment uh, for me because, you know, it was a very it was it was a a lot a lot to have on a relatively new actor's <laughs> shoulders, mm -hmm. um, especially because the first series the first season had done so extraordinarily well and. Uh, you know, it had gotten all these awards and it was so fantastic and so beautifully done and I was like I. Can I do this? <laughs> um, and Antonio was was incredible. You know, a a fantastic partner in crime throughout that series. Just uh, collaborative in how we create the character. Never gatekeeping anything. Always just trying to figure out how we can make this strong. And and he was so passionate about Pablo because they both are from Malaga, which is the same. They were both from the same city in Spain. So he grew up, you know, with mm -hmm. Pablo all around him. And it was so important to him. And, you know, this kid from Florida is kind of stepping into that to that world. And he couldn't have been a better shepherd for that. It was really, really lovely. Mm. And yeah. so fortunate. <laughs> and with that being uh, an earlier role for you, what have you noticed sort of like has changed in your preparation and your own process since then? Because that was like four or five years ago at this point. Yeah, it was. Well, it was it was we've had a pandemic in the time since, which Heard I think <laughs> yeah, had a lot of different effects on people. Um, I think the one by playing Pablo, I kind of was gifted 
almost every challenge I think a young actor can can deal with. I was in a period. It was a real person. We were shooting on location. Um, I shared the character with another actor. It was in an accent. That's not my own. Mm-hmm. And through that process and the incredible kindness and generosity of the entire creative team, a lot of those things are no longer intimidating because I spent six months, you know, developing all of these different comfort levels. And I got to go through the same things that Pablo was going through because I was going through a transition of kind of my own stepping into my own confidence and success as, as an actor. And Pablo was doing the same thing as the episodes went on. So it kind of just was awesome. Yeah. It was kismet. It's like everything aligned so much with like your own experience and that of the character and yeah, and that was never very authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't have much time before I left to learn about him because I found out pretty soon to when I was leaving that I was going to, to be going to Europe and doing this. So I also was able to really deeply discover elements about Pablo's character, especially his youth. I knew mostly about his like Antonio's timeline, his older years. And to make those discoveries while I'm immediately about to put them on camera because I had to keep up was was really, really great. Also learning, you know, Antonio taught me a lot about how set culture, like the responsibility of, of actors to create and maintain set culture to like have a really productive and comfortable and, and creatively free place. And that was also really, really nice. So it wasn't his first rodeo. So there's right. <laughs> lots of expertise to take from. Yeah. Um, so fast forwarding to one of your more uh, recent projects with The Patient, um, which as we said, streaming now, FX on Hulu. Uh, <laughs> gotta do the plug. Um, I loved the show. I, I got to, as, as you know, I got to interview one of your co-stars on, on my other podcast. Uh, for Media yeah. Village, and you know, I got to see like a lot of it in advance. I like refused to watch the ending until it aired because I'm like, I don't want to know everything and then just have to wait for everyone else's reactions because I know a lot of people who are watching it. Um, but it was just so well done. It you know, hearing and watching like interviews with like Steve Carell saying that like for him, every episode felt like a different one act play, just because it was so much of it was just like the four of of you there was like very few you know there's like flashbacks and whatnot but like the story yeah, was and, and so there, small like yeah i mean there were there were a lot of there was a, a, an extraordinary amount of talent mm-hmm. uh but it, it it was very intimate and and very steve steve had steve and donal and well everyone had such a, a beast of a job especially those two because it's really like a two for play you know, between them kind of like going back and forth yeah. for, you know, an eight page scene. And that is hard, especially with those emotional stakes. Well, and I, I the writers, I mean, the, the Jays who who uh, wrote the show and, and the Americans before it um, really did an expert job of creating nuance in a very difficult constraint because m- most of the show takes place between those those walls of of you know, Donal's basement mm. and Sam's, I guess we should use yeah. name. But um, I think that 
to be able to do that with as much grace and nuance and intrigue and then to give us as the cast such a space to really stay in that place is is really difficult mm. and i hats off to them for sure and everybody you know the, the whole team it takes a village <laughs> yeah. so with any more of our show being actors with issues um you know we always do like to sort of like delve into um the, the as, you, as you mentioned already sort of like the day-to-day -day, the, the different obstacles that come across an actor's career um and i know we've talked sort of off the show about quite a lot of things and i know that you have some thoughts about things like uh, team members representation agents managers all of that stuff so like what insight can you share uh for an audience of like young actors maybe struggling to find their first rep or eager to find their first one yeah i mean i think that that's always there's no actor in the world who really doesn't struggle with that at some point you know, be it finding your first rep or or deciding whether the people you're with are the right fit for you. And I think that the most important thing to take away is that the industry wants you to think that you are in service of the reps. Mm -hmm. And it is a collaboration. I think that each each talent is kind of the CEO of 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 their of their business. And with the representative, you want to be pairing with the person who can help you grow to the next stage and has a similar idea of how you should exist in the industry, you know, where your spot is. You don't want them to have such a such a departure from your self-image that they're going to be pushing you for projects that you either don't vibe with or aren't right for you. And I think the industry does have a way of defining where you fit, sometimes in ways that, that you don't necessarily understand at first, but become more clear as you go on. But you also have to make sure that the people that you are with treat you well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need to be with people who are supportive and help you grow without, you know, tearing you apart. Mm -hmm. I think that... There's no there's no need and no space for your team to add to your stress. It's stressful as is. Yeah. So you need to be with people who you can, you know, grow with and feel yeah. like you would want to be in conversation with about your trajectory and and, and what's right for you. Yeah. And then you also have to empower yourself with the independence to go out and seek your own opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're starting out. There's so many things you can do, be it focusing on different interests so that you maintain the the mental space and you're not so stressed that you can't do your job to, you know, different passions, different interests. Like I have a friend who got her first job because she learned how to how to scuba dive. And this particular role required somebody with a scuba license. So that put her ahead. Yeah. or horseback riding or like all of these things that we do in our lives eventually could come into play so you might as well do what interests you and then maybe it'll conflate maybe it won't but at least you're having fun along the way right and just like learning growing as a human learning new skills experiencing life <laughs> along yeah. the way you know um that's that's been something that uh, a couple of people have said that like you know the best advice they would give young actors is like just go live life and grow as a human and yeah there are so many things that I've had to learn just in that pursuit, you know, of, I guess, the development of, of personal success and mindset. I think that is one of the biggest wins I've gotten through the pursuit of acting is kind of 
having to navigate those different channels and figure out what works for me. And I think taking pretty honest assessments periodically as often as you can about what you really, really want and then developing a very pointed and attainable action plan just towards making progress towards it. Mm. Like, let's say that you want to get a series regular on a TV show and that's your goal for the next, that's your next big goal. You know, I like to make a list of a bunch of things that could be working towards that goal. It could be as simple as lying on my back on the floor and imagining what it feels like if an asteroid were to come at me and what I would really think about. I think if I, you know, let's say I'm walking down the street and everybody's running in the other direction and I look up, first I would try to figure out what's happening and I would look up and I'd be like, what is that? And then I would probably be like, oh shit, do I run up or, or, or down? Like, do I run towards it because it like is going to come here and is it going to come or do I run with the, uh, yeah. like, what do I do? And, you know, that's those are really human things that you can do just to put yourself in a creative space. And all of that goes together to eventually lead you somewhere, maybe not where you thought it would, but it's progress. Wow, that's it. I, I love that. Um, <laughs> and with uh, sort of going back a little bit to like sort of like misconceptions if you like broaden the scope and and look at what like what do what do you think consumers uh see as like something that they thought was like completely true about the industry that you later learned was like completely false talk about like the craft before like within within the community but then sort of broadening out what what would you say is a misconception? oh there's so there's so many things that i think the general public uh doesn't necessarily understand and neither did i about you know what we do I think we obviously, if we are kind of in the public eye, those are our shiny moments. You know, it's the times, like if you're at a premiere, it's the times when you've had the person come over and help you figure out what you're wearing. You've had, you've gotten the show, you're in like a high point. You know, I don't think that they understand that like I'm off in here, you know, in front of a black sheet behind a concrete wall. Uh flexing my creative muscles and auditions like day in and day out for sometimes years on end without getting a job. Uh, and that, and the amount of, the amount of mental acrobatics that it takes to continue to do that without, you know, necessarily getting the win. And also a, a redefinition of what the win is, is important for us as actors, but that's not the question you've asked. So I think also, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous, I think, was one of the biggest disservices to <laughs> to our oh. to yeah. our job, uh, because it's a lot of people who just are put on a more public platform, but they're just people with the same daily struggles trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to wear that day to, you know, do their job or or how they're going to pay their bills or who's going to pick their kid up from school if they have to go into an office to do this thing or all, or, you know, how do I maintain my stress levels? So I'm not snapping at those around me when things are really stressful. You know, it's the same things daily that everyone goes through just often with a shinier sheen when you are in public. Mm. And oh. not to get like, I think there's, there's so many, 
gifts that come with it too. Mm. And I think that it's so lovely that we get to share those with the world. Just what they don't see, you know, is the daily, uh, the nuanced daily (laughs) battles, I guess, towards that goal. Yeah. So many people, you know, they only see the bookings and not everything else in between. They, you know, people think that movie stars get paid too much. And I'm like, well, how many millions and millions and millions of dollars is the studio making? Why don't they deserve a slice of the pie, you know? And then it's also like the the time commitment as well to me is like, okay, yeah, sure. They shot a superhero movie for six months, but they had to train and prepare for three months prior to that. So it's almost a year that, you know, that they're... Also, I mean, I haven't really thought about it in these terms, but if you think about, like, no one would would say that about somebody who created the toaster, right? And the toaster's in every house. So are these shows and mm-hmm. these TV, and these movies. And usually that's, you know, usually it's the creators who, who or the studios who reap the real benefits of that, of that machine. And I think that actors, when they, as they ascend through their, the power structure, they can then get, you know, points on the back end and they can get these different compensation packages. But there's this perception that people just walk in and because they're pretty, they get a job and it's, it takes so much more effort than that. And the ones you do see, you know, you see them after years of, of developing to the point where they were prepared and equipped and positioned to, to take that, that, that role on. And uh, I think the also, Oh, the other perception that really pisses me off. Sorry. I'm now I'm on one. I, the concept that it is impossible is I think so intriguing because every time you turn your TV on or your radio on or you drive down the street or you are talking to your friend about the movie or the TV show or whatever you saw, that's proof that a thousand people are making it work. Like mm-hmm. each show, each each movie, each podcast, each commercial, each like those are people who are making a, a, some money at it. Yeah. Maybe it's not the only thing. Yeah. But I, people are like, oh, bless you for like, bless your heart for going after something so unstable. And it is difficult, but the proof is everywhere that it can work. Mm -hmm. It's in the pudding, as they say. I never understood that saying, but there it is. Proof is in the pudding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So before we go, uh, we always end with a, uh, quick sort of like rapid fire questions uh, in a game we call now that we know you since we've got in the chat for a bit. Uh, so fill in the blank. Okay. If I weren't working in the arts, I'd be? In business. What role have you had the most fun playing? Oh. Yeah, it's hard. It's like picking a favorite kid. <laughs> I would say genius because I was traveling in Europe and it was like a really big lead for me. <laughs> uh, what is the best advice you've ever gotten? Best advice? Um, take action. Even if it's imperfect action, take action. And what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Listen to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just said that recently. I think it was, um, I think it was, uh, another Alex, Alex Livinali from Black Panther. We're kind of forever. Really? Yeah. I think his, he's uh, the, the worst advice he said was like, there's other people. And if they tell you that, Fuck him. Like, <laughs> he's like, don't listen to him. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have to follow your own compass. Yeah. 
And uh, plus, Lord knows, you know, if you ask someone for directions, they're probably sending, they might send you the wrong way with full confidence. Yeah, you know, and you don't know what their motive is. <laughs> and yeah. they don't understand what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Shady business. You can't, not to say you can't trust everybody, but you can't trust everybody. Um, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. I, I really believe that. <laughs> yeah. And that's outside, that's like outside of entertainment, just in general. Don't trust everybody. Like, follow your compass, like, yeah. compete your with gut. yourself and no one else. Mm hmm. Like lead with your head, but follow your gut. Like you know, yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, in ten words or less, what advice would you give to a young actor? In ten words or less, what advice would I give to a young actor? Hmm? Uh, shit. <laughs> You're like that's twelve words. <laughs> Focus. Wait. Identify your goal. Find the next step. not the end game end game is one word so that's okay yeah you're good that was 10 words yeah awesome well alex thank you so much for for taking the time to chat with us uh social media instagram where can our lovely fans find you ah yeah oh sorry social media okay uh at alex jordan rich awesome. on instagram and i don't use twitter that much but it's on twitter and uh twitter yeah. might be gone tomorrow apparently <laughs> so. We are at a, we are at a dynamic time. Yeah, it might join uh, Vine and in social media hell. Uh, Let's but... just go back to 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 MySpace. Yeah, where's Tom? <laughs> yeah, we're come back. Awesome. And folks, you know the joy. You can follow us on Instagram at Actors with Issues. Give me a follow at Juaniala Official and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts with new episodes of our show every Monday and bonus episodes throughout the week. And you can see Alex Rich in The Patient streaming now on Hulu. I'm Juaniala. This is Actors with Issues. We'll see you next week.